welcome to the Dear Sparrows podcast. So we are officially in week three of Unveiled, which is cool. Um, so last week we were talking about names and the importance behind names and, and how the Lord works in that. And uh, if you haven't caught up, I hope you listen to that in week one. Week one kind of explains a little bit more of what we're doing right now. So right now we're in a series of going through the book Um not in depth like the book will go, but going in a place where it's skimming over and hopefully you get something out of it and are enjoying it. So, of course, welcome to provide feedback and stuff for what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of. Excited on that. But this week we're talking about vision boards. So I think I had shared a little bit of how the book came to be at the end of the summer writing it. But and then that's true. That's completely true of how I began writing it. I think this book really began, um, it began its creation more in like 2017. And there's a story with that. And I, I am somebody that I am very seldom I talk about some of the really intimate and beautiful things that the Lord has given me or shown me, especially publicly. If you know me privately, I'm a little bit more open to sharing about that, but as someone who is writing something that is going out into the world on behalf of the Lord, I am very mindful and careful about when I want to share. And quite honestly, it takes literally the Lord pushing at me to share. Otherwise, I refrain from that because I do believe that the Lord will speak holy and beautiful things to us that are meant just for us, or we might convey in an abstract way or in a way of art or a way of metaphor. But this was a really beautiful dream that the Lord had given me in 2017 that I'm going to talk about a little bit more in depth today. And I realized, um, so the cover of the book was a photo I took in Minnesota. Um, I lived there for a while and all like all my family's there. And there's a really beautiful park near my aunt um, where she lives. And I used to, well, it's a trail. It's a hiking trail. And I used to go there all the time when I lived there. And there is a human-sized nest that has been built by the Boy Scouts. It was built in 1992. Many good things happened in 1992, I will just say. Um, but it's my favorite place in the world, and I will go there, and whenever I'm back or visiting family, I'll be there. But when I lived there, I would go, and I would just spend as much time as I could. I would pray. I would sing. I would listen to the Lord. I would just enjoy watching the birds, and I would just lay there in that human-sized nest and watch birds for hours. Um, any free time I had, I really think, was spent there, so... In 2017, my cousin and I, my cousin's a lot like a big sister to me. She always has been. And we went, um, we hung out the whole day and I, we had such a great day and we were praying together and we were praising the Lord and really, um, I had just a, a beautiful time, but I was awful tired. And so I came home, um, well, I came back to my aunt's house and I just decided that I really needed a nap, um, and, oh, anyway, I am totally diverting. The cover was taken a couple days after this dream that I'm talking about near the bird's nest that I was speaking on. Okay, back to the main point. So we, we had gone out and we had prayed for a while and had some great prayer time, um, just fellowship, really enjoy spending any time I can with her, and came back to take a nap. And the Lord gave me um, 
a really profound dream. And again, I, I don't talk about this stuff publicly unless the Lord asks me to. That's not because I don't believe it. It's not because I'm ashamed of it. It's because it's private and it's holy. And it is something that the Lord has given to me as a blessing. But he showed me how, yes, it was a beautiful gift for me, but it was to be used for kingdom work. And so he asked me to share it for kingdom work in this book. And this book as a whole is is kingdom work. It, it was never meant to be anything that would be boasting or showing of any talent I claim to possess. It, it's truly just to bless the kingdom of God and to honor him. And so in the dream, I had fallen asleep and I was literally watching myself sleep. Um, it was like I had an aerial view and I could see I was wearing this green long sleeve shirt. I could see how I was positioned in the bed where I had had, you know, my, my hands underneath the pillow and my face down on the pillow. Um, and then into the room, um, walked this woman and she was clothed in white and she walked in just this high confidence in her. Um, but it wasn't an, an arrogance or confidence that she was proud of herself, but she was proud of her God. And, and she walked in this humble, beautiful confidence that just radiated from her. She didn't walk in fear, but she walked in complete promise that she knew exactly who her God is and that he's faithful. And there was just this grace that preceded her as she glided through the room. And her hair was long and flowing and beautiful. And it was just this kindness and gentleness just came off her so naturally. And she was just beautiful because not because of her hair or her skin, but because you could literally just feel and see the spirit and essence of God and his light coming off of her. It wasn't really her looks or anything that pertained to that, but it was, it was how she walked because she was confident in the Lord. And she sat next to me and uh, she put her hand on my back and, and I literally felt it cause I, I flinched back and she whispered something to me in the dream, which I will not share uh, cause I can, I can at least hold that back. Right. But, but I woke up from that dream, and with every single fiber of my being, I wanted to be her. I almost became a little obsessed with becoming her. And she just walked with this elegance and this grace and this beauty that she know, knew so fully who her God was, and I could just tell she knew things, and she had seen things happen in her life where God had moved, and she got to be witness to that. And um, she, she looked to be in her late 20s, early 30s, more or less. And, um, for a while I, I, I knew, but there's a sense of, you know, something, but you don't want to say it because you're so fearful. If you were to say it, then you somehow become arrogant in that. And I think that is like a really hard thing to deal with sometimes, but, but God, God helped me realize it. And here two years later, um, he brought me into a greater view, but God got to Callie, you already are her. That's you. So stop pretending that you're not and start walking like you are her because you are her. And, and that was really the time in which God unveiled to me who he had crafted me to be and who I was readily becoming. And it took some time for me to kind of get over this, I want to be that, and come over to the bridge of that is me I'm just continuing to be unveiled in that. And that was a really 
interesting and cool process. And um, a lot of this book and the constructive of this book really is the process that the Lord took me through. And that's why I didn't feel that this book could properly be let out into the world unless I had conveyed that dream. And I felt so humbled and blessed the Lord would give me such a glimpse into who he was crafting that I just, I, I knew that there was something, there was a reason behind it because the Lord, Lord often, he does this still today, very often, but especially in the Bible, we see it. And I think people accept it a little bit more, um, and those stories, but, but the Lord would share something very intimate and wonderful with somebody about the future because as it talks about in the Amos 3-7, the Lord doesn't tell these things just just for kicks or just to be like, you want to hear a story? But, but it's no, this is going to happen. And he, he seeks to fulfill that, right? And Isaiah 66 talks about how he does not promise a birth and not bring it to fulfillment. And so there's the birth of a promise in that. And for me, I had such a humbling experience that he gave me this glimpse of the person that he wanted me to become, that he was challenging me to become, that he said, this is where we're getting. And for me, it took a while to even accept that. I think I shared last week um, in my own journey of even allowing myself to call myself beautiful is still kind of a daily, like, we got this. Um, But the Lord shows me this, this is how I see you, Callie. Um, For me... I, I knew that there was something more than just that for me. I knew there was something that he was going to do more globally and in a larger scale. Um, so I really want to encourage you guys, even if you don't have an experience like that, or if the Lord speaks to you in maybe a different way um, than dreams or visions, maybe he speaks to you um, primarily through the word of God or just in your inner spirit or, or whatever else, that you work alongside the Lord in the way that he speaks to you best and create a list of qualities that, that together you and the Lord decide on, these are the qualities that I want you to possess. These are the things that we are working towards for you to become. And that isn't, it's not like a vision board that you would go to or create where you'd cut out magazine things and you'd paste it and you'd have like the pool and the Lexus and all that worthless crap. Now, instead, you'd say, okay, what are the qualities? So if the Lord speaks to you primarily through the Bible, okay, cool. Who do you admire in the Bible? Who in the Bible are you like that? That is who I want to be. Well, what, what qualities can you boil down that they have? For me, Ruth. Hands down, Ruth. She is my homegirl. I cannot wait till heaven. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to hug. We're going to eat Krispy Kreme because I'm believing and speaking that's there. So her integrity, her character, her moral ethic, um, and her trust in the Lord, those are things I could boil down just offhand for her that, you know, are, that you'd want to possess. So in the book, I kind of encourage thinking about five qualities even of who the Lord is crafting you to be and who you want to be, because we want to be ultimately the people that God created us to be. And part of the unveiling is taking off those layers to get down and boil down to those, those really great qualities there. And those goals. And so, again, talking to the Lord, ask him to highlight to you. It's not, it may not be 30 seconds, you know, he's like, oh, okay, here's your top five. 
it may be revealed over time, but let him reveal this to you. It might even be seasonal that he has one come out. Maybe patience, maybe gentleness, maybe um, trusting and really like falling into him will be something that he brings out. But looking at how those goals can be obtained as well and trusting him in the process. Um, even just writing that goal on the bathroom mirror, as corny as that sounds, you I mean, it's a place where you're going to see something every day. And asking the Lord, okay, this season right now, you have given me this word. What should we do with it? And I talked about earlier in the year, kind of the word of the year, um, but word seasonally and not so much word of the year, maybe word of the year, but word seasonally. So what's a word seasonally that he is working with you on? What is something that he is, is working in you that you want to obtain and you want to become that person? So that's a big, that's a big thing. And Graham Cook, um, he's a, he's a great speaker. And he said, there's three pieces that identity comes forth from your lens, how you think about it and how you talk about it. So dissecting that. So first off, how, how do you think about it? How do you think about this person that you are becoming, that you want to become, that the Lord has revealed to you? These are the qualities I want you to possess. How are you thinking about that? And how, are you looking at that too? Are you looking at an optimistic view or pessimistic view? Are you looking at, oh, I can never become that person. I can never be brave. I can never be strong. I can never, don't speak that. Don't speak life into that. That's, you're going to harvest what you plant. So if you plant seeds of doubt, if you're planting seeds of just pessimistic, melancholic things like that, you're not going to, what's the fruit going to be? What's the fruit going to be from that? It's going to be dead and nasty and rotting, and you're going to throw it in the trash. It's going to be useless. But if we plant seeds of, no, I'm becoming more courageous, and the Lord's taking me through that. You're planting seeds to yield that harvest of times where God will make you courageous. He will call you to be courageous, but he will have worked these little things out in you that you actually get to go forth and be courageous. And that's a really beautiful thing is looking in God's reality in that. But something that we have to realize too, in the process of that, we're not for prosperity gospel people where it's like, I'm going to plant money and get lots of money. No, that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about things like kindness and wisdom and grace and knowing the Lord better and becoming those qualities, right? But in the process, there's a lot of pruning that has to happen. So um, unveiling, you have to, in order to find, you know, the inner, the raw part, you have to unveil, literally, you have to pull a layer off. Something has to come off, the veil has to come off. And the process of that, that's, that's gonna hurt. (laughs) So that's a thing called pruning. Um, John 15 talks about this a lot. And John 15 is where Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch does bear fruit, he prunes so it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain from me, you are like a branch that is thrown away, whether such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is the Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, so remain in my love. So I want to take that actually verse by verse. Um, I don't want to totally undo the whole book, but we will go a little bit verse by verse on time because uh, the book is something that I really do encourage you guys to pick up. Not because of any way that I'm trying to make a dollar because I think I literally make one dollar off the books and that's not even much, but I don't even care if I make any money off it. I'd give it out for free if I could. But the hope is that this book would be something that it has a workbook included in it. It's literally written into the pages of it. There's pieces that I believe that the Lord will stick out to you in the process of reading it. So you have the opportunity. It's on Amazon. This is not an ad. This is literally a, I think this would bless you. And I hope it would. And that's the deepest and most sincere prayer of all is that it would be a blessing um, to anyone who would pick it up. So let's jump into line by line um, to, to really jump into that. So I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. So Jesus is the vine is the vine that binds us together. He is our life source, our sustaining peace, and our hope, in whom we abide when we are adopted into his kingdom. God is the gardener who nourishes, tends, and watches diligently over the creation he's made. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So why do gardeners prune things? Um I, my first job ever was at this museum and I was awkward and 16 and had a good time still. And one of the weeks they had, they had these beautiful, it was a English manor home called Agecroft Hall in Richmond, Virginia. And in the gardens, they have these massive gardens. It's beautiful. And I had the opportunity to work um, for a couple weeks with the gardeners. That's where they put me. I did a lot of research and helped with an addition that they did. But they, it was kind of a docent training thing because I wanted to be a curator for a long time at a museum. And so they had me in the gardens. And the reason I say that is because there's a point, I promise. And something that they taught me was in botany, when you are growing something, that sometimes you actually cut off the good fruit because if you cut off the good fruit, it allows for a space for bigger and better fruit to be grown. So it can grow stronger. More fruit can come because of this pruning. If this pruning doesn't happen, you're only going to get that small little flower. But if you cut that small little flower, the new one will grow back even larger. It allows for more, more of an abundance. And that is what Jesus is saying in this, that the key is we have to let him prune what is good in order to make room for the abundance that is from the good harvest. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You're not alone in this. Alone, you can't really make any headway towards change. You you can try, but in the end of the day, you're just going to... What source are you pulling from? You're pulling from yourself. So if you're only pulling from yourself, that's all you're ever going to get. You're not going to get any further than yourself. And we want to go even further than that. We want to go to real change, to real direction, to real happiness, and that is in God. And you can go further than you can ever imagine and when you do it in God and you're remaining in God and you're, you're growing in that. The next verse, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. So without him, you're only going to experience burnout, withering and failure, because alone we're not enough. 
We don't have to be the source of enough. We aren't enough. So where do we go to the source that is more than enough, that is infinitely more than enough, right? If you remain in me, and my words from remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So what that really is saying, that's not saying that gets taken so out of context. Oh my goodness, context is everything with the Bible. So it's kind of like Psalm 37, 4. So when we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So people read that one too, and they're like, ha ha, I'm going to get what I want because I'm just going to be like, yo, Jesus, what's up? Money, please. And it's kind of like Parks and Rec. Um, okay, I'm not going to go there, but money, please. That's, that's not how this works at all. It looks ridiculous on there. It looks ridiculous here. What that really means is when we come before the Lord, and, and we just let go of all our freaking arrogant pride. And we just strip it. And we just like leave it there at the throne. And we're like, all right. All right. Lord, ultimately, I know you have what's best for me. And you will do the most good in my life. So much more than I could do. So I don't want it to be a thing where it's your will versus my will. I want it to be the same. So one of us has to change, and the person who's going to have to change is going to have to be me. So Lord, I give you my will, and I ask you to mold my heart that is of flesh and no longer of stone, to mold my heart to your will, to literally desire the things that you have for me. So when your will is carried out, and when you give those things to me, they're the things that you have made my heart to actually want and will bring the most satisfaction. So when we go forward to God and we say, Lord, I pray that you will do this in the name of Christ, knowing that that is in the name of Christ, knowing that your heart and asking your heart to be conformed to his will and being open that if it is not, that the Lord would then change the desire in your heart to be open to what he actually has for you instead. And knowing that that is ultimately at the end of the day better and what you would have chosen if you could see all he can see. Knowing that kingdom mindset, that what we desire is destined because we've been conformed to his will. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing. It's a thing, especially in this age, that people do not want to hear. But it's a beautiful thing when we actually let that sanctification happen and we are made to be more Christ-like. This is my Father's glory, that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he's going to glorify himself through your life, and it will be evident that he's done this work in your life. I mean, what a beautiful life would that be? Think about that for a second. If you lived in such a way that people saw miracles in your life and they stopped and they said, look at your life. Oh my goodness. I can't believe the things the Lord's done in your life. And it is so evident that only God could do such things. Only God. Miracle stories. I mean, there's countless ones in the Bible and there's ones that go on every day now. I mean, people who... They should totally be dead, and they're not because only God, right? Things that people have overcome. How did you overcome that? That would have been so hard. I don't see how you could have overcome that. Only God. So God wants to glorify himself in our lives. Our lives aren't to be marked just with suffering. He Ultimately, our lives are to know and love the Lord and love each other. So that's the first and greatest commandment, and then the second commandment is to love each other. So God wants to glorify himself through our lives but we have to let him. We have to say, okay, I'm going to trust you with this plan and know that ultimately Romans 8, 28, 
it'll be for your glory and, well, my benefit, right? So keep rolling. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So remain in my love. So remain in the vine. Abide in him. Don't reject the pruning. He intends for you. Isaiah 29 gives us the image of the pot not asking the potter why it's been turned upside down and why it's being molded in such a way. So don't refuse it. Let him do it. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it hurts so bad. Sanctification is such a war within and it does hurt. They even just hearing the word pruning, that doesn't sound like that feels comfortable. But ultimately, God's getting rid of the things that shouldn't be there and he's bringing forward love. He's bringing forward beauty and uniqueness and someone who's going to stand apart, just like that pot. So don't ask, why am I being turned upside down? Why is everything going this way? Trust him. Maybe even thank him and say, thank you. Even though this hurts, I know you're doing this because you love me. And it's worth becoming that person that he made you to be. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, there's a couple other chapter, sub-chapters within this chapter, but the last thing I'm going to talk about is clothing yourself. And with the story with that, I was getting dressed one day, and I was getting ready to go to this really great um, Bible study retreat. It was our first one. I had this great um, Bible study group called Seven Pillars. And it's just a group of really um, sold-out women for Christ who, who love and serve the Lord, and that and we're just kind of this wonderful little community. And we were getting ready for our first retreat. We didn't even know how great this Bible study would end up being, but I asked the Lord what I should put on. And I swear this was a thought that was not my own thought. He said a garment of praise. And so I just laughed because Jesus will pun me all the time. And I loved it. But also just hearing that even what I was wearing actually mattered to him because what ultimately he wanted me to put on was a garment of praise. And so we have to ask ourselves how... How do we dress ourselves? How are we actually presenting ourselves to the world? So yes, garment of praise, and that's a cute little pun thank God did with me. But beyond that, what what are we showing people? Are we dressing in a way that is honoring towards God? Or are we dressing in a way that is really not? Are we adorning ourselves with strength and a humble confidence that comes from God? Is it evident that dignity is evident in your life? Um, Isaiah 52 encourages, wake up, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. So how are we dressing ourselves? Are we dressing ourselves with strength and dignity and courage, with love and life? Or are we dressing ourselves in a way that doesn't represent anything like that at all? So that's not merely the fabrics upon us, but the spiritual garments that we're, we're projecting out. Because just as we wear a t-shirt, and that t-shirt might have a band name or something, and we're telling the world we like that band, how what we put on every day, if we're putting on a garment of praise or if we're putting on a bad attitude, that's going to convey out. People can read that stuff. It cannot be hidden. So let's put on strength and splendor and sustaining grace instead. Um, and lastly, um, just talking about let God clothe you. Isaiah 61 is the book of instead. It promises us that God will adorn us with valuable, unshakable things instead of the false labels we put on ourselves. So last week we were talking about the false names that the enemy will give us that we wear like name tags. So this week we're talking about what we're going to put on instead. So if you follow along with Isaiah 61, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, 
a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Instead of your shame, you're going to get a double portion of God, yes. Instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. So put on those things instead. Claim those. Speak those out. Say this is every morning. Like put one on your arm or something. Like like write it in a Sharpie or put it on your bathroom wall or put it in your car on the visor thing. And say, put one every day. Say, Lord, today, instead of the ashes that I'm going to say that my life is burned up to be, you're putting a crown of beauty on me. Not a literal crown, but a figurative crown, but a crown no less. Instead of mourning an oil of joy and being anointed with all this joy that you're putting on me, you're literally showering me in joy, Lord. I believe it. A garment of praise instead of despair. Instead of being all sad and like, life sucks and nothing's ever going to get better. Put on that garment of praise. Put on believing that God is going to do great things in your life, but praise Him for what He's already done because God's not our genie in a bottle. We're not supposed to just boss Him around and be like, okay, so now I want a pony. No, put on that garment of praise. Say, God, thank you that you woke me up today. Thank you that I have a job to drive to. Thank you, Lord, for even when stuff is really crappy. Thank you, Lord, that I'm stuck in traffic because I can turn on the radio and there's probably a song that you wanted me to hear on the way here. Thank you that I just actually have these extra few minutes to talk to you instead of complaining and stretching about being to work. Lord, thank you for those things. Thank you. The things that I wanted to work out didn't work out because you've got better. Thank you that some friendships ended, some relationships ended, because I know you have so much better to help me be the best me I can possibly be. Thank you, Lord. Instead of your shame, you'll get a double portion. And I just think that's a double portion of spirit. Um... So Elijah, when he was leaving, remember he's the dude who like gets to go up in a chariot. He doesn't like actually die. That is one boss way to die. That's not even dying. Like you're just like, bye Felicia's. That's actually what he said. You can check it. Bye Felicia's. I'm going to heaven. But before he leaves, Leisha is is his number two guy. It's his like junior apprentice. I don't know why their names had to be so close. I think that had to be really confusing. That's just me. I digress. Uh, my side commentary to Bible stuff, my questions later. Um, but he, before he leaves, anyway, he gives and he, he prays over Alicia and he's like, Lord, please bless Alicia. Please bless his ministry, but please give him a double portion. And I was reading it the other day and I was thinking about how he asked for a double portion of what he had had and what he had done in his life upon Alicia. Now, I don't know a lot about math, but I know if you're one single person, you can't double yourself. But that's not what Elijah was asking. He was asking the source, the source of his strength, the source of his blessing, the source of his power, the source of anything that he could do, like we're just talking about in John 15, to bless doubly upon his apprentice. Put a double portion of God's spirit upon Elisha. So that's what it's talking about. So if you've been shamed, if there's something that you're ashamed of or you've gone through and that's been harm. Pray that out. Pray Isaiah 61 out. You're not being greedy. You're not being bad by saying, Lord, could could you give me a double portion of your spirit upon me and a double portion of that hurt, but give me a double portion of your glory, not our glory, God's glory, to be remade and redone in it. That double portion, that's a beautiful thing. And, and God's literally saying, I want to do this for you. But you need to ask. You don't have because you haven't asked. That's a perfect opportunity. That doesn't mean if you've been shamed and you were ridiculed and bullied 
and make fun of in middle school that then suddenly in high school or college or first job or when you're 30 that suddenly you're going to be on the top. But what it means is things that have hurt us, we can come back doubly as strong because of God, not because of us. And the last one, instead of disgrace, you're going to rejoice in your inheritance. inheritance. And I think a big thing with that is we get so caught up in this world thinking that this is it. And I'm guilty of it too. We kind of lose the mindset like, oh my goodness, the greatest and the only thing that will ever be is this world. But we forget that there's this whole inheritance that we get when we are called children of God. He adopts us as sons and daughters to get heaven. That's our inheritance as sons and daughters, as we get to be part of that. So even if you're disgraced here on earth, who cares? That sucks. Okay. I have, God has better waiting in heaven. And this, this life is but a breath. This life is so short that it just goes in the blink of an eye. I think any of us can attest that this past year has gone by pretty darn fast. I mean, it's already March. It is already March. How is that? But looking at that and saying, I have been disgraced in these ways, but I have this whole inheritance waiting for me in heaven. So what can I do for the Lord with this rest of the time that I have? How can I let that double portion of where there were things that had shamed me? Instead, I'm going to be shameless and guiltless, and I'm going to live in that freedom. I'm going to walk forward in God, and I'm going to spend the rest of every ounce of every breath in me for the Lord. So that's our chapter for today. Um, I hope that that blesses you guys, and I hope you just really give that some food for thought. Um, if you grab the book, it'll have a little bit more in-depth about things and things you can jump into, and there's a couple other little chapters I'm not going over um, quite as much because they're harder to do via podcast and without the actual book sitting in front of you, but I pray that more than anything, you continue to let the Lord unveil you. You continue to let the Lord work and manifest and do something really good and beautiful in you because what the Lord is seeking to do in you is something so glorious. He loves you so much, and He wants you to walk out in what literally is your best life, not the best life of treat yourself or your best life of you've got the dream job, but the best life of living in a complete freedom in the Lord, knowing you're walking in His will and trusting Him even when that looks scary. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the listeners that um, are tuning into this. And I just pray that you would continue to unveil to them your heart and your intent for their lives. I pray that they would come into a deeper relationship with you, knowing and trusting and letting you just move. In your name we pray. Amen.